Sir, we've had a little problem. These two women are just arriving. They objected to giving up their weapons. Klingons do not surrender their weapons. Who are you? We are Lursa and Baton of the House of Duras. Hello and welcome to the Duras Sisters podcast. We are not Klingons, but we are sisters. And I'm Ashlyn. And I'm Rihanna. Oh, Rihanna, this is the last episode of our movie series. I'm already in a mourning period. I know. <laughs> I know. We haven't even recorded this episode yet, and I'm already sad. See, I really like, I mean, obviously, there are so many reasons why I love doing the podcast, but getting prepped for our weekly recordings makes me so excited. It almost like takes me back to when I was in middle school and had like a soccer game that day after school. It's something that I look forward to and get so hyped for. And especially when it's a finale, I'm like, okay, we got to go all out. This is the end of the season. Anything that we haven't said yet, we have to say it. This is it. Well, it's crazy because this is like the pinnacle. And I am just so excited that we get to end on this movie because like, Man, are there so many tie-ins. And I just feel like we're going to be bringing stuff back from like what we talked about in our like second movie series episode on Wrath of Khan or like go back to, you know, all of these other movies we've discussed to talk about this finale. And it's just so amazing. And Ashlyn, I'm so happy that you chose this series because I feel like it's given me like a whole different perspective on Star Trek, seeing it through these movies and like analytically, you know? (laughs) And so it's just been such a blast. Yeah, I really love this series. And this is something that I've mentioned a lot, but that now, like now playing podcast review of all these movies is really what got me into becoming a really deep nerdy Star Trek fan because I was fascinated by those podcasts and listening to their analytical discussion. And I've always had my own thoughts. And I know I've talked about this before, but I just love this series so much. And it really brings me back. It makes me feel like a kid again, you know, to be talking about these movies. So Yeah, and also I just want to warn our listeners that if you haven't heard the phrase love letter to Star Trek enough in this podcast, (laughs) you are going to hear it about 34 more times. At least, (laughs) minimum. Because this movie is a freaking love letter to Star Trek fans. It really is. And, you know, another thing I want to say, just as we're like waxing poetic about the movie series. Oh, please, please. I also am so glad that we get to see Star Trek in big production like this because like we talked about with cam last week discovery is a very big production type of show and picard really lent itself to that as well but i mean we've seen deep space nine not get remastered (laughs) like we've seen original series use like the same set for every single episode that they're on like a planet and so it is really fun to talk about both i really like getting to talk about like the the dinky sets of the original series but i also love getting to talk about these massive productions and the crazy amount of effort that goes into these movies and it's just incredible to see so many people working so hard on star trek in like a movie format you know and i'm so happy we got so many episodes to talk about these movies 13 like this is easily our longest series even with our crazy long family series and so it's just so lovely to think that like wow we got so lucky with so many star trek films oh yeah and as you said this is our 13th episode and I feel like it's been months of watching movies every week, and it's yeah. just amazing. It's My mental health is through the roof. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, and I will say, the movies are not technically over after this, because... <gasps> Rihanna, whatever could you mean? Ooh, I wonder. Well, there is a 
movie that both Ashton and I consider to be basically a Star Trek film, and that is, of course, Galaxy Quest. And so we are going to be reviewing that movie on our Patreon next week after we're done here, and we are gonna just let it be open to the public for a month. You can listen to it for free on our Patreon, and after that you can pay any amount per month to listen, but we are just so excited to talk about Galaxy Quest because I think it is another great way to wrap up our movie series in sort of a let's now talk about a take on star trek what do they call it an homage i guess homage yeah well it's just (laughs) something fun galaxy quest is an amazing movie and it honestly should be considered a star trek movie because they really uphold all the values good or bad yes exactly but before we get to any of that first ashlyn i want to recognize one of our amazing listeners this week in our shout out yes And I'm sorry to everyone the past two weeks who we didn't get a chance to shout out, but we figured we had our guests on. They're sort of our shout out. You know, we are so happy to have them on our podcast. Ultimate shout out, exactly. Yeah. But this week, we want to shout out Haven on Twitter. They actually tagged Podchaser because Podchaser was doing a, like, drop your favorite podcasts on here and we'll consider them for a top 50 list. And so they dropped our name in that and that was just, like, the greatest thing ever. Also, apparently they've been listening to our podcast, like, right when they come out or as soon as they can. And so it just makes my heart so happy to see that, like, even on the first day that our Into Darkness podcast was uploaded, we had like 30 listens on SoundCloud. And so I just want to thank you all so much and particularly Haven this week for supporting us and also shouting us out to Podchaser and like helping get our pod recognized elsewhere. That's just like the greatest gift you can give us. So thank you. Yes. Oh, thank you so much, Haven. That made me so happy. And yeah, I was just, I'd love to see it. It was amazing to see all the buzz we were getting about the episode. And again, I just want to take the second to thank Trek Untold and Jacked Up Reviewed Show Podcast for coming on and having some fun discussions with us. It's always a little nerve wracking, I think, to open up our sacred pod space to a guest. And mm-hmm. we are lucky that we have just great people in the Star Trek community. So um thank you guys once again and we are excited we already have other guests lined up for our next series which is feminism rihanna has lists and lists of star trek episodes that feature all our amazing women in star trek so i'm very excited to go over that list with her and start watching some original series wait actually mate there's even more news yeah yeah (laughs) next week we are not starting the feminism series we for the first time ever on this show are going back and revisiting an old series that has finished long ago and this is the longest one it's the pilot series (laughs) yes our oldest series our guest on this podcast is going to be amazing so we are very excited to say that we are going to have our little sister gabriella she is going to be on the podcast reviewing the pilot of Star Trek Prodigy. So she texted us today on her little iPad when we have a sister chat and she said that she was going to be watching Prodigy like soon and I'm just now thinking about it the whole day thinking about like you know it's kind of like showing your best friend a new thing you love or showing your family or anything something you love so much. I'm so protective of it that I'm worried she's going to hate it but I'm also like you know, so open to however she feels about it. And you're all going to get to hear how she feels about it in next week's episode. Yeah, I just think we're so blessed to have a little sister who we are so close to. The fact that we get to hear her perspective 
which of course is who the show is made for, you know, our yes. nine and 10 year olds. And she's going to be almost 10 coming up guys. So this Crazy. is a big Double digits. Yeah. Like here we come. <laughs> yeah. So I want you all just to get really excited to welcome her on. The youngest Dora sister <laughs> will be joining us. Yeah. And I'm very excited to talk to her about the pilot of that episode. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, so that's next week. And then the week after that, we will be starting feminism. So can't yeah. wait, guys. Woo! Well, and expect us to do this sometimes because now with Prodigy and with Strange New World starting and, you know, maybe the Section 31 show in the future and all of these other things coming down the line, we have to sometimes go back and revisit the pilot series or revisit the family series. So this is like really exciting and we just can't wait that we can still expand our own podcast because star trek is always expanding so it's amazing well and i'm pretty sure we're gonna have to expand on our time travel series when picard season two comes out yeah well we we skipped it for our first one so it's kind of perfect i think that maybe the writers were listening to our podcast and they're like i can't Uh, believe we didn't have time travel you're right (laughs) season one Well, and then we might have to just like put in another episode of the villain series too to continue talking about Q. So yeah, yeah, we got to So just like, you know, <laughs> that's what's beautiful about these series is that they're ongoing. Oh, and also on our podcast and in Star Trek. I just want to make a formal announcement that I have officially put together the desk in my room that Ooh. has been sitting in a box since Thanksgiving. I'm not kidding. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, but so I put the desk together. And so this is now I'm finally in my pod studio. And unfortunately, I am right by the heater that just like, <laughs> ding, 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 like clangs a lot. So you might all have a little samba going on in your head. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the heater's always a special guest in our podcast. Oh, and yeah. so are my cats. <laughs> so I think our listeners can understand that. Yeah, Rihanna was actually just wrangling her cat while I was making that announcement. So, you know, we've got, there's so much going on and we're doing so great. There's currently like a cat butt on my Star Trek notes. So, Mm, you know, how are you going to read him, Rihanna? He's never going to move. He's not going to move. No. (laughs) Ashlyn, now to the very important question and our final time we will ask this. I guess unless our, well, unless our Galaxy Quest one. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. I I reserve my my sob until later. Yeah. (laughs) When Star Trek Beyond came out, what do you remember about the first time you watched it, Ashlyn? Hmm. So it's it's weird to me because sometimes I feel like the memories of the first time I watched it are stronger when the movie is older. And the newer the movies I've been getting, the, the less I'm remembering. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that tells you something about my own memory. So I believe this came out in 2015. Let me just know like oh 2016 mm-hmm. yeah in 2016 and it was in sorry i think it was may right oh july mm-hmm. yeah and so that summer i was living in san francisco that was one of the few summers i actually just stayed year round because i was going to school out there i was living at this awesome house in the sunset it was so much fun i had i was basically living alone i had two roommates i never saw but i had an amazing weekend where I needed a mattress. So I was in Colorado. I flew out there to grab my mattress. And then I road tripped with my grandma, nanny, homie, all the <laughs> way back to San Francisco. She stayed with me for a few days. And then Rihanna flew out to basically drive back with her. So it was an incredible weekend. And it was especially awesome because as I 
I've mentioned before, when we saw Star Trek 2009, Nanny and I, Nanny went with me and we saw it twice in the same day. And <laughs> yeah. so it was really special to be able to see the premiere with her. And I'm pretty sure she slept through like the whole movie and she's notorious <laughs> for like passing out during violent movies or like loud yeah, or action, action movies. Yeah, because when she hears any kind of like cars crashing or whatever, she, she just falls asleep. It's, Those it's, are her raid sounds. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I don't know how much she would remember of this movie, but I remember it was a really special moment for all of us. And I remember it was kind of in a sketchy part of San Francisco, so we had to like make sure the car was locked, but... Wait, no, we watched... No, oh wait, I guess I'll do my own version. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, so I was overjoyed by this movie. I loved head to tail of it. That's not the right way to say it. <laughs> you loved the... I loved the whole thing. Finish. <laughs> yeah. Another nannyism. Yeah, nanny says that all the time, especially when we get out of movies. Um, yeah. yeah, I seriously love this movie and I continue to love it. It has been another one that's a comfort watch for me. And mm. honestly, it has started to take over 2009. If I, if I like have time to watch one movie and I know <laughs> I want it to be Star Trek, like especially one of the new Abrams Treks, I will always go for Beyond over 2009, which is rare because I... I never used to do that pre-2016. I think the only thing that was bugging me about the movie is that there were some deep references that I didn't get. Like, Mm. for example, Scotty talks about the giant green hand at one point. There was a large bell that was ringing in my head. I was like, I I know what it is, but I couldn't remember. And so that was really bugging me. And so I had to go home and watch that episode again. (laughs) Yeah, do some refreshers. (laughs) I totally understand that. But yeah, I love this movie and I always have. Rihanna, what do you remember? I already know you have some details to add or to destroy of my story. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to demolish you, actually. (laughs) Oh, no! (laughs) So, actually, the first time we saw this movie was when you were still in Colorado. Like you said, you drove out or flew out so you could drive with Nanny. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, you came to Colorado with us right around the time of the movie's release. And so, we were all like, perfect, while you're in town, before you all go, we'll watch the movie all together in Colorado. So, it was our mom, our movie. Oh, yeah. Nanny, and then, of course, Ashlyn, you and I. I don't think Ivan, our stepdad, did he join us? I, I don't I remember. I think it was a girl's day. Yeah, I think it was. Just, we went to get nails done or something. Yeah, mom posted yeah. on Instagram, like, girl's day and girl's Star day, Trek. Girl's day, Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is such a good combo, by the way. <laughs> but, yeah, so I remember... Mostly I remember because this was a huge time of my life. I had just graduated high school and I was about to move to San Francisco in the fall. So I was going to be joining you out there for college at University of San Francisco. And I was just sort of packing, waiting it out, getting ready for college. And this movie came during this time. So I was pretty emotional already, just like during this era in my life, because I was leaving a lot of friends behind. And, you know, it's just transition times are always weird. Like our current lives right now are very mm-hmm. transitiony, and so that's what I also really liked about how we're talking about this movie again after the place that I come from of like feeling a lot of changes during 2016. And so I also remember I had just come back from Guatemala because I went there on a mission trip with my church. Ashlyn went two years before, and so it was the like thing that we all did to go and build a house in Guatemala. And I came back, we were like in the airport in Houston and (laughs) a friend comes up to me and he goes, 
hey, you like Star Trek, right? And I'm like, yeah, totally. Like, excited? What do you want to talk about Star Trek for? And he's like, oh, one of the actors just died. I was like, first of all, why would you open it with, you like Star Trek, right? Because I know you're going to demolish me. (laughs) Um, So this was the time when Anton Yelchin had passed. And so... I was like absolutely devastated. I'm coming back from a week of having no phone. We didn't bring our phones on the mission trip. And so I didn't have like any news or whatever. I wasn't up to date with my Trek news at the no, time. You were just building a house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no and cares so, in the world. No cares in the world. <laughs> yeah. And so I had heard about what happened at Anton Yelchin. And you know that earlier on, Litter Nimoy had passed. And so this was a really emotional movie for me because like Anton Yelchin and Chekhov's character was were like really special to me. And also of course, Spock is my favorite character. Litter Nimoy is like my favorite Spock. And so it's just like, was really emotional that this movie incorporated Spock's death into it. Spock's, Spock Prime's death, excuse me. And also sort of incorporated Leonard's passing as well as Anton's passing. And so this movie, I remember being a real dedication to those actors and it being like Anton Yelton died like after production. And so the actors were just shocked, you know, and that they added the for Anton end credits thing, like very last minute. And so it just, ooh, it like, I kind of get chills thinking about this time in my life because it was really hard, but this movie did so much for me. And like, low-key, I'm tearing up, but like, this is just like such an important film for me in my time. And the messages are really good in this movie. And the only thing I remember being annoyed about was that I didn't really understand Crawl or the whole part of that story. I was still, like, it took me, like, the second watching when we went to San Francisco, and we said, we have one day in San Francisco, what do we want to do? And we said, we want to go watch Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> so we went to the AMC on Van Ness. Yes, which so is I guess gone it was now. kind of. It's gone. I know, it's gone. Yeah. So any of you San Francisco people will know our pain because it was like the coolest theater. It was made from an old hotel. And so it was just gorgeous and so it cool. Had it had like, like four stories. Seven floors? It or was, seven? Well, wow. Yeah. I mean, I think it was four stories, but seven like stairways, you know? Because yeah. it was like, oh God, to go up the stairs took forever. And True. it's like, yeah, you always <laughs> had to be in shape to get your popcorn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because they only had it open on the bottom floor. So then you had to like run upstairs and it was like, okay, yeah. your movie's in theater 10. And you're like, oh my God. Oh my god, no. <laughs> I am cursed with theater 10. <laughs> yeah. Definitely wasn't great for our, our nanny, but like she climbed those steps and we killed it, you know? She's and amazing. so yeah. that is so cool that like kind of you followed tradition with nanny too. You saw the Star Trek movies twice with her for 2009 and beyond. So anyway, emotional journey for me, but like particularly because then we all saw it together again in San Francisco. We all had a wonderful time. And I finally understood the crawl plot. I was like, okay, after my second viewing, I followed it really closely. And then I remember I had a boyfriend at the time, which is hilarious. (laughs) And uh, we were like not really dating, but we went to prom together. And so, sorry, my cat is going crazy. And so I remember I brought him again to see it that summer before we left for college. And so I was just like watching it all the time. So, and same thing, this is my go-to comfort movie as well when it comes to like the Abrams verse or the Kelvin verse, so... Oh my gosh, you did blow me out of the water. <laughs> I knew I would. <laughs> oh man, Rihanna, I, I was, I was a journey. I was laughing. I was crying. Like, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Wow. I'd completely blocked out that first time and that was really lovely. I forgot about that. So thank you for reminding me as you normally yeah. do. 
Oh, no worries. Well, you always remind us of, like, childhood stuff. You always remember the craziest stuff from our childhood that I'm like, what? We lived in that house. <laughs> I mean, it's so, also because you know, I'm older, out. so I remember more. Oh, true. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, but real quick, I was going to say, too, I also loved, and I'm sure I have a picture of it somewhere, but you know how they do the movie posters outside of the theater? They had one of Anton Yelchin instead of it being Kirk or Spock or her. And so I thought that was also really cool that, like, Anton was front and center. Anyway, so after that long story, shall we dive into this? Oh, well, hang on, Rihanna. I have to... I have, oh. to, <laughs> I have to talk about my Leonard Nimoy experience Yes, as of well. course. Please. Um, I have to... I'm still working through the grief, honestly. I remember, because I was in my second year of college, and I found out when I was, like, sitting on the toilet at school, like, <laughs> oh, and no. I, I literally, like, was crying in the bathroom. <laughs> I had to go to class and I was like oh my god Leonard Nimoy like just a just a tragedy devastating Um, yeah I mean I know that the original series actors are all getting older and there's not Mm -hmm. many of them left but it's it's still like everyone that goes down hurts why would you say that it's so true I'm sorry (laughs) yeah this is the sad part of the pod you know yeah where we depress you a little bit and yeah we'll bring you back but it was a hard time I'm telling you like yeah and and like well and it was 2016 you know yeah it was 2016 and uh, yeah, yeah a lot of so, great actors were lost that year oh alan rickman too i, I mm-hmm. think they were really close to each other i think other. david bowie too was around then oh my god and again yeah. it was 2016 so like yeah the, kind of the start of the end i think is what the historians mm. will call it um yeah <laughs> you know it, the, those were omens for sure yeah so that's what i remember and anton yelchin also like very sad it made me glad to see that there was a for anton at the end of this movie just you know and everything yeah. every, every way they dealt with prime spock was really graceful i thought definitely when i remember being in the theater and like you know we were all sitting through and then through the initial credits and then it said like in loving memory of leonard nimoy and all of the theater was like oh like they had like a sigh of sadness mm-hmm. and then i heard someone behind us go like come on and i like knew they were waiting to see if they were gonna do something for anton and then it said for anton and they were like okay (laughs) and so it was just really funny to hear people's reactions to around us like we were all waiting for both you know but anyway yeah i agree wonderful dedication and oh my heart goes out to like anton's family and just honestly everyone in the cast who had to go through that and crew just like he's so young you know like just so unexpected yeah. that's it's so mm-hmm. hard it's it's as hard you know as losing someone like nimoy it's mm-hmm. yeah in different ways absolutely Oof. yeah okay well let's go back you know we're still in 2016 and i mm-hmm. and i can give a little bit of background about this movie yeah so as you might have noticed rihanna this is not directed by jj abrams this is i mean there's still a couple lens flares but this is not an abrams movie and he is actually still credited as a producer so he was still bankrolling them Mm. but he was a partner early on with orsi and alex kurtzman so he was bankrolling them that's cool and there was a couple people considered to direct including edgar wright which would have been so sick if he directed that um oh edgar wright's amazing i I didn't know that that's amazing yeah i would mm. but anyway um it would have been a really interesting movie it would have been awesome i think i don't know if he's a star trek fan but 
Yeah. Everyone wanted Jonathan Frakes, and he actually was tweeting at the time. He's like, I'm available to direct this movie. And oh my God, he I would didn't scream. get chosen. I know, I would scream too. <laughs> like this big budget Star Trek movie. Uh, oh, but, but also, yeah. like, I'm not mad about how it turned out, you know, even though it wasn't Frank's. I'm yeah. so glad we have the movie we have. Yeah, and so this is Justin Lin, who is really famous for the Fast and the Furious movies. And I think this is a Fast and the Furious movie, but I really don't think he was bad for the role at all because. I haven't really seen those movies, but I know kind of the gist is like they're about fast cars and family. <laughs> and yeah. like, oh my god, he's always talking yeah, about he's family. Always, <laughs> Vin Diesel, right? Yeah, yeah. Vin Diesel. <laughs> he's like, this is family. Yeah, and this, like, you know, this movie had both elements. So, well, that's what I'm saying, and that, <laughs> like that's why I love this movie so much is because the character moments are so dynamite. And yeah. it's all about, like, we have great groups of people, you know, this eventually the crew gets split off into different parts, and we really get to see characters bond with each other that haven't even talked to each other in, like, two movies. Thank um, you, yes. And, and so, so I, I love this focus, and I think that that's always been the core of Star Trek, is about helping one another and, like, getting tight with each other. <laughs> <laughs> No, but I know what you mean. I, If I can interject really quick, yes. I think that, like, it's really cool because usually Trek can take a whole series to do that, you know, when they have yeah. episodes where they'll strand two rando characters that never talk to each other on a planet and have them connect. You know, I mean, this is Deep Space Nine's, like, literal favorite plot. Yeah, it, so. is, it is their favorite. So, favorite. I love the flame. <laughs> it's, the, it's their favorite. Yeah, no, you're totally right. And the movie, in order for us to feel connected to these characters, has to really spend some time connecting them. So I'm glad that they do. And I love the action scenes in this movie, too, especially balanced with the more serious scenes. Mm -hmm. And I think Justin Lin did a great job with this movie. I have no qualms. So the writing is a little bit different in this because Mm -hmm. R.C. started writing the script with Patrick McKay and J.D. Payne. They were trying to basically get back to the sense of exploration and wonder that is kind of the core of star trek but you know what happened is like with all the director changes orsi left everybody left and they were kind of floundering for a little bit and this is why again we have a big gap between 2012 and 2016 like four yeah. years is a long time it's to massive wait. We I, were, I remember waiting desperately. yeah i wasn't well i guess sure. yeah like i was not even expecting this movie to come out because I had heard that they were having issues and I feel like they're always having issues, you know? Yeah, with we like, keep hearing this with the next one too. Yeah, like they're, you know, they get a director, they drop a director. It's so mm-hmm. annoying. Um, it's really pulling my heartstrings. Same. But so anyway, Orsi left and um, so they're in a quandary because they have like, at this point, <laughs> they didn't have Justin Lin yet. Um, they had, I was, I was going to say, We've got no, no captain and no first, no officer, first officer to replace, replace him. him. So yeah. that's where they were at this point. <laughs> and you know who became captain? It was Simon Pegg. And he made Doug Young his first officer. Oh my God, and so I love that. they wrote this whole script together and it was Simon Pegg's baby. And he basically said, hey, I've got a script. You have to use it. Like my script's yes. better than anyone else's. Oh, um, and he's a huge Star Trek fan. They chalked this thing full with references Oh, yeah. It feels like it's like a Lower Decks episode. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. The other script that they were going with originally that Orsi had started, they were worried it was too Star Trek-y. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which I'm like, hmm, like, does that mean, like, How? boring, you know, like, yeah. you know, like, does, does that, do they consider that to be, like, motion picture? Right. I don't know. I'm just, I'm really curious what two Star Trek-y means. Well, and Peg was really striving to make the film, quote, make a Western or thriller or heist movie and then populate it with Star Trek characters so that it's more <laughs> inclusive to an audience that might be more willing. So do you think it was a bank heist, a Western, or what was the other one? Um, or thriller. Or a thriller. Um, I think it is kind of a heist because they have to pop the crew out of. True. Uh, I think it's a western because they have to have sort of a standoff. Mm, and it's this, a like, thriller on a desert planet. You know, they Kirk has that epic final fight at the end. True. And Scotty almost falls off that cliff with his little arms. <laughs> You know, Simon Pegg was writing that and he was like, I'm going to be I'm gonna super jump athletic in this movie. <laughs> yeah, oh my god. Well, I just want to note too that um, Simon Pegg has written quite a few of the films he's been in too. So I think that that helps. Like he wrote Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, which but I really do like Simon Pegg films. I've seen a couple others and they're just fantastic and so much fun. Very rambunctious and like also very witty in their like quips and everything and this of course we're back we're like we talked about last week quippy trek is really in right now because we're in the marvel era and (laughs) the star wars era i guess i just just, it's so (laughs) scary to me that like this is how people will remember it it's like ah because of the influence of marvel in the late 2008 (laughs) to 2020 era all the movies were rather quippy like oh my god i mean but you know it's right like It, truly that's what the audiences are hungering for is to be to go to a movie and laugh that's what they yeah. want we're going but they also hell. want yeah they also want drama and intrigue and like like you said they want the thriller and so that's what they got i think i don't know i just i'm glad to hear that like simon Pegg, he already had experience writing for films he was going to be acting in and yes. usually he ends up being like one of the main characters but for this of course scotty he does take a bigger role of course which makes sense but he's still writing backseat compared to Kirk and Spock and McCoy, I think, in this film. Oh, definitely. But, you know. As, Who cares? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's sort of how it goes with engineering being in the back seats usually, or in the bowels of the ship. Yeah. Well, you know what I'm glad about is that William Shatner did not make it to the final version oh, of the script. Oh, thank God. I was so worried. Because there were rumors, and I know he really wanted to. He really wanted to in 2009, and he was mm-hmm. like, oh, if Nimoy can come back, why not me? And I feel like it would have been so weird to have a, this movie with Shatner in it, knowing that we just lost Leonard Nimoy, and that... It would all... just feel like a one-up or something. Weird. Yeah, just super weird. So I'm glad that didn't happen. Yep. Yeah. Um... Yeah, this movie was like really well received. It made a lot of money. I think a lot of fans, I I don't know. Like, I mean, we were talking with um, Matthew, you know, with Trek Untold, and he said he was kind of eh about this movie. So I feel like... Yeah, and Cam said that too. Yeah, some people are not as like hyped about it as us. And Rian, I think it's for the reason that you mentioned like 10 years ago, (laughs) Um, the, the villain. And so like, here we are at the third Star Trek movie that still doesn't have a great villain. Mm-hmm. For me, I'm able to overlook a lot of those issues because I read into Trek so much that I just am filling in the data as we go on. Yeah, um, same. But yeah, so I, I feel like that's most people's problem with this. So I'm, yeah. I'm excited later to talk about, you know, more about Kroll. Definitely. Kroll. 
crawl. <laughs> we keep having <laughs> I keep having problems saying the villains' names. Like what, what was what's his name from Insurrection? Oh god, it was oh, like um, I don't even remember. It was awful. <laughs> we, yeah, we're still struggling over it. Okay, so let's go, Rihanna. This beginning is a really interesting start to the movie and it's the only time i really feel like disney might be circling star trek oh god um, because kirk is trying to be a good diplomat and he's making this speech and presenting a gift to these aliens who seems like they're really big but then they're really small and they're all attacking mm-hmm. him and yeah. ripping his shirt <laughs> And I remember in the theater really being hyped and loving every second of this. Mm-hmm. Now I feel like the animation has like not really held up as well. And I feel just like it's a little bit too Disney. But I love the yeah, fact that fair. he rips his shirt because that's Kirk. And I also yep. love the uniform is amazing. And this is yes, when... Yes, those stripes. The stripes. So, so cool. Oh my God. Yeah. And this is the movie that I really feel like Chris Pine is the most like close to Shatner or like he just looks like Kirk. He just, he does. And I know that's such a good trick to make the audience like, you know, fall even deeper in love. But yeah, so no matter how he's acting, but I still feel like Chris Pine does an amazing job in this movie. And And, and I know he was resilient or, and I know that he was reluctant to come back. And so it always makes me happy to see actors giving a hundred percent when maybe they don't want to be there. Maybe they're doing it to get paid. Cause now in 2016, Chris Pine is everywhere. Yeah, he Everyone was in Wonder him. Woman then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so I think that, like, to the hair part for me really does it. I don't know why, but obviously it's Pine's acting, but then it's also just, like, they got the Kirk hair perfect, and I think they were trying to make him look, like, too haughty in the first two, you know? Yes. And so, But then they got the Kirk look down. Also, you can tell because he's more dignified, he's more established, and so he has more of a, like put together appearance even though he rips his shirt but this is Kirk you know I mean Kirk always kind of looks put together when he's on the bridge unless he's somehow like leaning over the chair or he's old or any of the TOS episodes that have <laughs> him not doing well on the bridge but like when he's in full capacity and in command ready to go he always looks put together and then you know he's down on a planet rough and tumble so I felt like maybe it was Disney but I feel like it was also just TOS like I was just watching a TOS beginning to an episode like I think even I watched Journey to Bay the other day for Spock's birthday and you know casual things to do um and I just love the transition from like them having a really serious family discussion to Kirk outside fighting the Andorian and it's just like dun dun and you're like okay this is the scene transition I guess and so I felt kind of like that like this is just throwing us in to some shenanigans that's going on on the Enterprise and it was TOS to me. I mean, this is TOS era. Like, yeah, this is the exact. It's like basically the end of season three of the original series. It is where they're at in this alternate universe. And yeah, we haven't seen every single adventure that they've gone on so far in their five year mission. But I think it does a good job of showing exactly where Kirk's at. And one of my favorite devices is showing not telling. And I love the scenes where Kirk's like flipping through his shirt. Like, what shirt do I wear? Oh, they're all Mm -hmm. the same. Um, He's (laughs) smelling coffee on himself. He's like walking around the bridge and he's just kind of like mopey and serious all the time. (laughs) I can really tell that he is having a hard time. But also the crew is like thriving together. They're getting along really well. But you do see how much Kirk has changed and how much he's sobered up in these, like since the last movie. And I remember, uh, you know, we watched this with mom and she was saying that too, that right away you could tell this is a different Kirk than we've seen who's running around and breaking the rules and defying 
everyone he can. And I think... Oh, completely. Yeah. yeah. I think it's partially from, you know, losing Pike and going through that in the last movie. But also, he's had to actually really take responsibility for his crew in the Enterprise. Yeah, he's a really good captain. He's taking it seriously, but it's having his toll on him. And I get all of that without him really having to say it. I mean, yeah, he says... He does the captain's log, Yeah, though, he does but... <laughs> the captain's log. But I, I love that whole scene. And it's just so good. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> well, and also I think it's really interesting to see Spock and McCoy behind him, you know, while he's like limping down the, uh, down just the hallway and he's throwing Spock the device or whatever. And he's, McCoy's all, McCoy's all over him, you know, trying to scan him, make sure he's like, Jim, you look like hell (laughs) and all this stuff. And I think it is cool because it's like, Kirk, you literally are not looking at the people who have your back. Like, are you kidding me? You know? And so he's so focused on the grind of it, you know, and of just the hardships of being on a deep space mission. I mean, we see this with Archer once they're deeper in space and don't have time to even think about going back or are just not going to. It's sort of daunting, you know, and it can scare a lot of people off. And I think Kirk is feeling that because he's not realizing he has people behind him. Oh, for sure. And I think it also can be really isolating being a captain sometimes because at the end of the day, you're making the call for everybody Mm -hmm. and no one else really understands you. I think that Spock does. And like you said, he's not really giving them a chance. He's not letting them in. So I really like that we can tell all of this. And it reminds me of a How I Met Your Mother episode where Ted is working at a architecture firm. And, he, you know, when he's like lower level on the chain, he's making fun mm-hmm. of the boss's shirt. And he's yeah. like, oh, dude, we should totally like pretend to be sick and go to a concert. And then he gets promoted and now he's everybody else's boss. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> someone else comes up to him and is like, I'm sick. I can't do this today. And then he opens his shirt up and he's going to the concert. And Ted's like, get back to work. And yeah. so So I feel like Kirk has probably been going through, I mean, obviously it's been three years, so we just haven't seen it, but Mm -hmm. I feel like he hasn't had time to like have fun or, you know, be his self that he was for so long and just be like carefree. So yeah, um, he needs some shore leave. (laughs) So true. Because Spock we see is going through a similar kind of isolation because he's feeling the loss of Ambassador Spock. He's feeling the loss of his home world still, obviously, you know, it's just there. He's trying to rebuild Vulcan and he, you know, so he's at a loss with Ahura. And so we've got all these like really difficult feelings for the two of them. And they're not talking to each other because they don't <laughs> want to express their feelings. And they're being stubborn. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm like, Boys. oh, my God. I feel like it's, Hermione. Yeah. Literally, I'm like, just talk about your feelings, please. Something that I always laugh at during this movie is Kirk trying to be a diplomat with these aliens because that is not his strong suit. He's not like Picard where he's going to peacefully negotiate stuff. Like he's good at that, but it's just not his strong suit. And you can tell he's still early on (laughs) trying to figure it out. Very early days, Kirk. But I totally think that that's his customer service voice, you know, when he's like (laughs) being so calm and he's, but you can tell he's really frustrated and he's like this is a gift brought to you by these people and they are trying and I'm like I recognize that voice (laughs) I just left retail and that is the customer service voice oh yep that's so true I love that yeah yeah so Kirk is lonely that's what I wrote in my notes actually is Kirk is lonely AF (laughs) he is and of course we're landing right around his birthday and this is a theme that goes back to the Wrath of Khan. Yes. We talked about with our dad <laughs> so many weeks ago. 
yeah, it's just crazy to think that like they really thought of every detail for this movie. They thought about how important the birthday stuff is to Kirk and they made it even more significant, not only because of aging like it was in Wrath of Khan, but also because of his dad and his sacrifice. It's just so interesting. So we got one hint of his mother. He said, yeah, I'll call her on the day. And you're just like, okay, dang. But he's, you know, <laughs> McCoy comes in here ready to do some bartender therapy, you know? That's McCoy's specialty is just like being super chill and mm-hmm. just letting Kirk talk it out because he knows he needs that space. Yeah. And he knows Kirk doesn't want to go see someone about it. So he's like, all right, Jim, what's going on? You know? Yeah. Yeah. He's like, well, and he doesn't say the line, but he very well could have. Like, Carl Urban is such a great actor. I was just waiting for him the whole time to say, other people have birthdays, Jim. So why are we treating yours like a funeral? Yes. And like, actually, I feel like McCoy saying that in this universe would make even more sense because his dad died on his birthday. Yes, so exactly. Of course he's sad. I think that's so true and something that would have been amazing to add. This scene is just so reminiscent of Wrath of Khan. Even his quarters or wherever there are, yes, you know, is so beautiful looking and very sleek, just like Jim's quarters in Wrath of Khan. And so it's really cool to see these parallels and also the fact that they stole it from Chekhov's locker just yes. you know adds a little like flair of hilarity that I love well and also that McCoy's like that stuff's illegal <laughs> like, oh yeah when he got sorry and brandy or something yeah. are you trying to go blind <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I think that's like Glenn uh Glenn McKinnon or no I think it's Glenn and Finch or something that they're drinking I don't know you you're you're the Bevmo. Lady. I know. I'm. I'm the whiskey person. I literally. Mom was looking at me while we, we were watching this. She was like, "Ashlyn, like, try that whiskey." Yeah. <laughs> um, Chekhov's whiskey. Yeah. I think I'm like saying it wrong, but anyway, yeah, I love that, and I also think that this is the beginning of like subverting expectations too with these characters mm-hmm. because as they say they were expecting Chekhov to be a vodka guy because he's Russian yeah and so the fact that he likes really nice whiskey is cool it's like they're getting you know to know each other better and people are not all that they appear yes exactly and while we're on the subject of Chekhov I love that we get two invented in Russia moments yes, in this we do. movie oh my god like just throwaway lines that since I've seen this movie so often, I pick up more every time. And just because there's so many Easter eggs and so many just little references. And I love it. Like, he's always bragging about Russia in any universe. <laughs> I know. I love it. Well, and I, I think it's important that even though they weren't intending to, we got a lot of good moments with Chekhov in this movie. And I think it also fulfills what we've been wanting this whole time where we're saying oh this one's too episodic oh this one is like you know (laughs) too much world stakes that's confusing now we're getting i think the perfect balance of that where yes it is stakes worthy of the big screen and also everyone gets good time i think maybe sulu has the least amount of time but even then though he has more time than he's ever got i know he's not just flying a helicopter man yeah yeah he's got some good scenes and so i love that again they're spreading the love around and this is what happens when a real true star trek fan is thinking about this and wants all of these characters to shine Yes, absolutely. And I think the fact that they get paired off into these groups is so cool because like you're saying, you know, it it provides people to have different interactions. And so getting to see the Chekhov and Kirk interactions is so 
cute and like yes. I just love that they find each other in the beginning because I think Chekhov looks up to Kirk a lot you know he's quite a bit younger and I mean Kirk's pretty young especially in, like you know but he's still like very I think like a father figure for Chekhov you know in this way and I just love their interaction when they're <laughs> like thinking about igniting the thrusters you know and they're running from the lady and and <laughs> crawls drones or whatever and so drone workforce and so it's just like so beautiful to see those moments they're really funny and yeah I think sort of accidentally an ode to Chekhov and to Anton Yelchin which I heard they're not gonna like recast him or anything they're just gonna like I don't know what they're gonna do to Chekhov which I'm a little worried about but like they could also just like oh he went into another ship or something yeah I'm interested to see how they're gonna handle it I'm glad they're not gonna recast I wonder if they'll do you know some kind of mention of him to say like he's gone or I don't know I'm really yeah yeah I'm sad thinking about it (laughs) yeah same I mean, to be fair, I've also heard that Quentin Tarantino is directing this movie, and then I mm-hmm. hear that he's not directing it, and then I hear that, like, someone random is directing it, so, yeah. like, the news changes every day. Exactly. Um, as, we'll never know. Um, <laughs> as Harry wisely says. <laughs> <laughs> news changes every day, you know. <laughs> Sorry, that's extremely niche. <laughs> Harry Potter book five reference, yeah, jeez. <laughs> Anyway. Um, anyway, this yeah. is what you get on this podcast. Extremely niche. <laughs> uh, so welcome. Ex- extremely niche, yes. You know, I'm not even going to take out that reference. I'm just going to leave it in. Yeah, okay. Well, well Rihanna, oh. real quick, while we're on that scene of Chekhov mm-hmm. and Kirk running away from the lady, um, yeah. I think that's brilliant every time. And I love that Kirk is always thinking ahead. This is something yes. that we know and love about him. And mm. he's been so stagnant and stressed out this, you know, seemingly the past three years and in the beginning of this movie that when it's an actual crisis and he realizes that. Crawl is attacking, or like this rando's attacking, the ship is actually going down when they're in space. It's amazing to see that switch come on for him because he is alive again. And then yes. I think this makes him remember, this is why I'm out here. It's not because I love doing like reports and, you know, and, and things <laughs> yeah. like that and routine grain deliveries, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's amazing to see him come to life. And then similarly, when he's with Chekhov and this lady, when they're ransacking Enterprise trying to find the device that Crawl wants, he does not trust that lady at all. And he yeah. already sets that plan in motion with Chekhov. And so it's fun for me as an audience member just to see, wow, like, he's so awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's cool to see too, or their conversation after this and Chekhov asks how long until you begin to suspect her and Kirk says not soon enough Mm. you know and so you see his regret coming through of losing the Enterprise like geez any way you want to say it this is terrible (laughs) (laughs) losing the Enterprise yet again which movie are we watching I don't know it's happened so many times but the way that it happens here with the bees zipping through cutting the nacelles and then they have to split the saucer, which I didn't even know was possible on this version of the Enterprise, but I guess it is. Did we ever have a saucer split in no, TOS? No, no, we didn't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm like, I think something, whoa. you know, the expl- only explanation is that Nero, uh, maybe his ship had saucers <laughs> technology, <laughs> but it got sucked into a black hole. Uh, 
I don't know. Maybe someone <laughs> at Starfleet Academy got a good picture of it and said, I yeah, bet that separates. Yeah. Let me make, let yeah. me, even though the Enterprise was already built, it's fine. Don't think about don't it. Don't worry. Yeah. Well, also, the ship got really damaged in uh, yeah. Into Darkness. Was that That's the same true. ship? Did it survive? No, that was the Franklin that got really damaged. No, no. I mean, um, in Star Trek 2009. Or no, not Franklin. Oh, in 2009. Yeah. I mean, it's sorry. I meant Into Darkness. Into Darkness. <laughs> Not the Franklin. It was whatever Marcus's the, ship the secret. was. Oh, that was when that crashed onto yeah. the planet, onto Earth. <laughs> yes, onto San Francisco. Okay, well, anyway, I, I still yeah. feel like it got really damaged. So maybe they refit it with the separation. With the separation. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it, that also is a TNG little ode, you know, even if it doesn't, it doesn't really make matter. sense. It doesn't matter. It's fine. I'm, I'm happy yeah. about it that, that, it, that it's here because it... It makes me think about, like, I, well, also, sorry, this may be too metaphorical, and, but, like, I also do like that they have the saucer separation scene because that gives Ahura a chance to, like, sacrifice herself for Kirk, you know? And there's that beautiful moment where, like, the doors close with her and Crawl, oh. and Kirk gets separated. And then later he gets separated from the Enterprise, so we're having all of this, like, you know, his crew's being taken away when they go, like, sir, they're taking the crew. I just, like... I get so nervous because, like, we've seen episodes of Voyager where the whole crew gets taken into, oh like, slave god. labor and oh it's just god. into, like, mining. And you're like, oh, my god. Like, not one of these again. <laughs> oh, my god. Yeah. We're, oh, I'm just thinking about the trigger warnings already for this episode. I know. Jesus. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, my god. No, uh. it's true, though. And I also, like, there's just something about that. Like, not they're not killing the crew. They're taking mm-hmm. the crew that's so malicious and, like, yeah. evil intended. Oh, yeah. I get, like, goosebumps every time that happens. And even though I know everyone's okay, mm-hmm. it's it's just, I, th- I think it's all about also, like, the ideal of, Star- of Starfleet. Like, I don't, well, no. I, I just feel like it's so rare that we see the crews getting taken away like i i can only really think about less than a handful of times less than a handful i'm just gonna say a handful of times (laughs) yeah i think it's trying to show us right away that this is not a game this is really serious exactly Um, and this is above starfleet and i feel like only a couple of enemies can take down a starfleet ship this easily yeah. that quickly and it's the fastest or best ship in the fleet you know as usual and so that's even more terrifying um, and oh sorry i just also want to say i do like the fact that this does not take place like earth he's going to earth because this has happened so many times that yorktown is like a nice refreshing change <laughs> yes thank you for bringing up yorktown because i think it's one of the coolest parts of this movie I, I just love it. I think it's awesome. And I'm really hopeful that we can get to a day where we could actually build this kind of stuff. Because, I mean, oh my God, it's amazing oh. technology. It's so yeah. cool. Like, I mean, it is a snow globe. <laughs> it looks like a damn snow globe. <laughs> but it's so cool. And especially like seeing the kind of Inception cities where there's like some upside yeah. down. And I mean, I have no idea if it would work, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, I don't know. We need to a scientist to tell us if it would actually happen but it's so beautiful and i love that we get to meet sulu's husband ben and his daughter um damora is there which we saw her in generations all grown up in starfleet and ensign and so we get to see her as a little kid and he's got like a picture of her on his console it's just really cute i love that we get to see a little background into sulu's family and is this the first like canonically, canonically gay, gay yes. star trek character in like the main cast yes 
It is. Well, and they... I love it. Right away when they, like, wrote 2009, they knew Sulu was gay. Like, um, mm-hmm. they were going to play him that way, which uh, I, I think based off the fact that George Takai is gay. And I know yeah. I know it's, like, I don't know. It's it's cool. It's interesting mm-hmm. that that's the reason. But, I mean, I'm glad for Sulu <laughs> that yeah. he get some representation. But, I mean, I just, I wish they would, like, lean into it more. Um, yeah, because I think they took out a kissing scene, right? And that's why they ended up hugging instead. Yeah, well, and this, like, went viral that there was a kissing scene. Or I, I think it, uh, I don't know if it was in the trailer, but, like, that clip was released of them kissing. And then they yeah. don't have it in here. And I really think that's unrealistic, like, completely unrealistic. If I hadn't completely. seen my husband in three years, I would not be, like, get, like arms Aww. around each other, you know? We're just roommates. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is i think if people don't know it could just be his brother or his friend or someone random who just have to have a kid two guys and a baby i know it's like yeah. come on yeah. yeah i know it's just it's it, it's not surprising to me but i'm yeah. i'm glad that it's something you know but i always wish it were more but we're getting there <laughs> anyway it, it just i remember always being disappointed like especially during this era of marvel once again talking about marvel like of getting teased, sort of queer baited all the time, you know, with these shows mm-hmm. and getting teased that someone would be a gay character on, and then you'd get like barely anything or it'd be like an extra. And you're like, that doesn't count actually, Marvel. So anyway, um, but they, it's paves the way and that's what's important, you know, and um, pave the way for uh, Detmer. Well, I assume. Detmer. <laughs> Pilot love is what you're paving the way for. Uh, no, I wait, mean, pave no. the way for Culver yeah, and Yeah, that's, that's and... who I really meant to bring, yeah. but I just have to throw in my shit real quick. Oh, I love them. Yeah. They better get together anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, anyway, Yorktown's great. I especially mm-hmm. love when the ship is... I Sorry, I'm really... I really love Yorktown, so I yeah. just have to say some more things. Oh, you're um, fine. I think that when they when the ship comes into it, it looks like it's underwater. Yes, <laughs> like I think flying. it is. Oh, oh, it's so cool. Like, I think either it's holographic water or it's, like, water that's suspended or something because, like... I think like, it's, like, a, it's, the lake is just, like, transparent. Like, I feel like it's yeah. a lake and then there's, like glass and then there's like where the enterprise is and so ships can just go under it yeah it's like an aquarium where the whales it's okay but yeah yeah like but no the ship is the whale that's the thing so (laughs) it's meta (laughs) i mean this is star trek plus star trek equals star trek so yeah exactly (laughs) oh it's so cool i love the yorktown Right? Okay. And can I talk really quick about this? So we're talking about this escape scene, you know, where everyone's getting on escape pods or Kelvin pods. We have Scotty getting himself, literally launching himself in a torpedo onto this planet, which is so metal. I was like, (laughs) Scotty is next level. I mean, I guess, you know, he launches torpedoes all the time. So at least he knows how, but he could easily have died. So easy. But he's so epic. And they, of course, Simon Pegg is like, I'm going to make Scotty just such a baddie in this movie like (laughs) i cannot deal with this because i'm imagining um like james duhan like getting into a torpedo (laughs) (laughs) he's like i can't take it anymore (laughs) eject launch yourself into the literally yeet yourself into this oh my god like that is scotty energy (laughs) 
But also oh that's kind God. of like chaotic engineering energy too. You know, really like Jordy is. would do that. Oh, 100%. Trip would do that. Oh my God. <laughs> Balana would not do that. No. Uh, <laughs> if she had no other choice, you know she would. <laughs> um, absolutely, Reno would if she hasn't oh, yeah. already. Rutherford would. <laughs> oh, bye. He has. See you later. <laughs> I'm just about okay anyway oh my god I'm um, literally yeah. dying that's the funniest okay so Rihanna <laughs> then my question for you is in Into Darkness and Scotty when he disagreed with the torpedoes why didn't uh-huh. he just get in one and- <laughs> that's why he disagreed because he wanted to be in them <laughs> oh wow oh. it's all coming together oh my god oh I'm, I'm dead Especially we've already talked about it, but then when it lands on the land. Oh my god. Yeah. Right on the ledge. <laughs> he he Scotty sorry. Oh <laughs> Scotty doesn't even like freak the F out that he's about to fall. He just like sits up and then jumps. <laughs> he takes off his little seat belt that apparently are in torpedoes. I guess he strapped himself in, but anyway. It's the only, like, this is a Fast and the Furious director part of the movie. Yes. I am like, this is very clear. Well, it's oh also in 2009, I oh think. Oh my god, you're so true. Where and Kirk the cliff, does that. Yeah, Kirk, a tidy boy, <laughs> also <laughs> is able to scramble up. See, I can't even do one pull up, and I'm like 23, so. Oh my god. Anyway. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that was, that part was excellent. Um, <laughs> something else that's excellent is the inclusion of Jayla in this movie. Thank you. And Let's talk about her. She is my favorite random woman from all the Star yes. Trek movies. Oh, easily. <laughs> yeah. Jayla, like, even beats out, like, Carol Marcus in Wrath of Khan. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And wow. maybe, what maybe even Savick. Whoa. Whoa. Dare I say? Wait. Yeah. I had oh, to take I, a step back. I think I agree. Although mm, I do like Savic, but like Jayla's... But only but like Savic in Wrath of Khan. Yeah, not like not... silent Savic or pregnant Savic. No, no, I'm not yeah, I'm not I'm not looking for search for Spock Savic. <laughs> or or Voyage Home Savic. Oh no. Yeah. Um oof. anyway, I was lost in that. I saw you like drift away for yeah. a second. Yeah, so Jayla is the first time almost i mean besides maybe lily who is not a romantic love interest is mm-hmm. that correct mm-hmm. yeah and, or replacement lily i think is questionably a romantic yeah love. depending yeah. on how you read it yeah exactly so anyway this is crazy because we're getting like this badass engineering woman who is like been here her whole life and her parents are has died at the hand of crawl and so she's living on her own in the franklin which is an nx class ship from like how many years ago um it's like 2258 or something (laughs) that's like wow yeah so that's actually right wait let me just take a quick look the real yes shout Um, out it launched sometime between 2145 and 2151 so that's wow. like, but hey, I that's was too long. I was close with twenty two fifty six. I just gotta say, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so close. Anyway, um, yeah, so old. Yeah, so Jayla's been here forever. Well, I don't living think she's on the been Franklin. there since 
She hasn't been there that long, though, since the Frank no, no, crash. No, 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 no. <laughs> I just mean her whole her whole childhood and her whole, like, into her young adulthood or however yes. old she is. Yeah. She's been living on this planet, like... In her house. Fighting against scavengers in her house, creating all these incredible traps and devices. And so, I don't know. I just think, like, we have another genius here in this these, like group of brilliant Starfleet officers that are working together and it's really fun to see Scotty in, in a position where he's like making friends with her and they're solving stuff together they're listening to fight the power and the beats and shouting like I just love their interaction because to me it feels really like realistic to how scotty would interact with someone like that or like with a woman in general because he's like i love the enterprise anyway let's fix this thing he's low-key like ace (laughs) except for the enterprise yeah yeah exactly and even so like i don't know i just am glad that she's portrayed as this really strong woman and also someone who's hurting and someone who is dealing with a lot of grief and like you know, she's scared. Own. Yeah. Yeah, on her own. She's scared of Crawl, understandably. He's, and, uh, what was the awful henchman's name? Uh, I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, yeah, so, I don't know. She's just amazing. I love her. I love her, too. And I also think it's amazing that she so willingly trusts Scotty and everybody mm-hmm. else, especially because of what she's been through. But in this situation, I think it's clear that anyone who comes to the planet is not there by choice, unless yeah. they're Kroll's, like, friend or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or spy or whatever, like yeah. that lady. Yeah, exactly. And so um, I just think it's really cool. And she has an amazing house. I love what she's done with the place. <laughs> yeah, um, same. Love that she's got the old bike in there. I know, yeah. Just for Fast and the Furious. Oh my god. And also for Kirk, because he loves motorcycles and... Yes. Because uh, he had one that he gave away to that guy in the mm-hmm. shipyard. Yeah. Um, he loves old things. Yeah. Old machines. It's yeah. So, so funny. Um, He'd be that guy who would have like a car on his Facebook profile picture. <laughs> um, yeah, you are like, that's what his Tinder looks like. Is like oh my god. Him in yeah. a convertible. Him in a... <laughs> Absolutely. I would swipe left so fast. <laughs> well, speaking of Kirk, Kirk was not on Tinder for this whole movie. He did not have any like random hookups. We didn't see him sort of in this position. And I thought it was a really cool sort of divergence from what we've seen of original series Kirk because he's such a playboy and he's ladies man, whatever you want to call him. Yeah, he and doesn't have time. He's too stressed. This is the thing is yeah. I think because of the alternate universe, because of the burden stacked on him so early on in his career he didn't coast like tos kirk did i mean tos kirk still had his challenges and all of that but mostly he's just like almost marrying probably carol and then he's going off to um you know some ship and then taking the enterprise i almost married her (laughs) yeah and you're like cool okay and his father was there to see him graduate as we learned from spock Mm -hmm. um and to get his first ship and all of that and so Kirk, of course, in the Kelvin verse, comes from a very different upbringing and a very different, like, experience in his beginning of his career. And he's seen so many losses, including Pike and Vulcan and Amanda, you know, everyone he lost by proxy, people he's losing currently in Beyond. Like, he mm-hmm. does not, like you said, he's there's too much going on to be messing around with people, you know. He's not 
interested in romance or that kind of thing right now and it's just interesting to that they took this sort of divergence which makes a lot of sense you know for the characterization yeah and you know i mean romance is not on anyone's mind really even spock and ahura have broken up Mm -hmm. spock has his tracking device on her Um, (laughs) (laughs) oh radiation device (laughs) yeah his vulcan rock that like emits radiation um, Which was actually um, Amanda's, so it's really cute that he gave it to that. Uhura. Like warms my heart. Yeah. yeah. No wonder she was like, "You can have this back." Yeah. <laughs> She's like, "This is your mother's." This is yeah. a historical artifact from Amanda mm-hmm. Grayson. Yeah. Um, I think because okay, so Rihanna, we haven't even talked about Spock. What the heck? Um, I know. So, oh, and oh. and also real quick, uh, I think a big major difference from this movie and literally every other movie is that this one's about Kirk. This one's not secretly about Spock. <laughs> That's so true. Um, Wait, but no, just kidding. It really is about no, Kirk. No, like yeah. Spock is more of a, like at least we, we're not all about Spock's arc in this one. Totally. Like we were in like pretty much every other movie. Kirk's arc is like shooting up in this movie. Yeah, because <laughs> Kirk is having, yeah, like you were just saying, like a really tough time. I love that. And <laughs> mm-hmm. it's something that, yes, we have explored in uh, Wrath of Khan and Search for Spock, but I feel like this is a really satisfying way to explore his arc. I love love that Kirk gets his own like emotional journey in this movie. And yeah. I also think it's because of Chris Pine and his range as an actor. Yes, that they exactly. knew he could handle something like that. Slash yeah. Nimoy is like such a force to be reckoned with. You just always have to have everything about Spock. Yes, exactly. And like, I think Spock mania, you know, was <laughs> on the down low after TOS <laughs> or after the movies, you yeah. know, because like then the Qu- Qu- Quinton is an amazing Spock. But like, I think a lot of people's attention was more on Kirk in the Abrams movies in general you know like i think people of course still love spock as a character but i think kirk was more intriguing to people and like kind of more of a hottie you know i mean that's part of it i think is that pine is like a good looking man so yeah for sure so spock i guess like he still does have something going on in this movie he's not just like mm-hmm. mr joyful um no <laughs> <laughs> opposite of Mr. Joyful. Yeah. Also, the big struggle he's going through is, does he want to remain in Starfleet or or should he be on Vulcan, a non-Vulcan rip? Um, mm. Or should he be off New on New Vulcan trying to help repopulate the species? And I think this is like what he told Ahura is that I can't have a half-human baby. I yeah. have to like make Vulcans only. Um, and that would upset her. Yeah, and, McCoy's like, yeah, I bet. I can yeah. see why. And I think, I mean, it upset her because obviously, like, it, it's, I, I think I think the biggest thing is, like, not only is she not Vulcan, like, I think that's not really her, what she would be upset about, but just that Spock is choosing this life that he, over, bleh, Spock is choosing this path for himself because of obligation to yeah. do something and not because it's what truly makes him happy. And exactly. he can't see that. And, uh, and a hurricane, you know? And so she's like, well, I can't, I can't change you. And clearly, and also it's like, oh, you don't want to F me. Like, you know, that's kind of rude. (laughs) Right? Oh, you're so, you're so, it's so true. And I think this is really encompassed by the fact that 
now Ambassador Spock is gone. You know, I think he was having these doubts before, and then he gets the news unexpectedly. And I just want to say that these Vulcans are amazing, because they could have just calmed him, said, hey, he's dead, see ya, you know, which would have been, like, logical, and it would have been a faster way to inform him. But they knew, we have to tell him in person, like, and we have to give him Spock's artifacts or, you know, his the picture of the original series yeah. crew i mean so he's the next of kin you know yeah exactly and his so <laughs> literally yeah it's just i don't know it's a sad moment but it's really beautiful the way they do it i think it's a good like nimoy send off and even getting to talk about when spock and mccoy get to talk about that in the cave when he's gotten delirious and he's saying like all the lives that he lived. I'm thinking Nimoy. You know, I'm thinking they're talking about Nimoy more than they're talking, I mean, and talking about Spock. And the lives that Spock is living, even currently, we didn't, they didn't even know at the time that there's going to be another Spock in Trek. No, yeah. I, I do think that in that speech with McCoy, that he is thinking, he's making us remember all the amazing moments with Spock and like all the um, truly incredible things that he's done in his life. And yeah, I mean, like you said, um uh what are we calling what is this um kelvin spock doesn't even know to the extent of everything um and actually one of the most touching moments is at the end of this movie to me and i'm just going to say it now since we're on a spock role Mm -hmm. um but i think something that i've never really noticed before even though it's really obvious is that when he's taking out spock's little box (laughs) spock's Mm -hmm. box He's opening it up and he's seeing the whole crew of the Enterprise from the Undiscovered Country, I believe is where that screen, where that cast photo is, Mm -hmm. um, of them all in uniform. And I I think the first time I saw it, I was just looking at everyone and thinking about how many people we've lost from that cast Mm. um, and how sad I was, you know, and I was already sad about Nimoy. But this time Mm -hmm. watching it, I think it's actually what made Spock change his mind. Like, yeah, he had this whole adventure um, with Kirk and kind of, you know, kind of waking up a little bit out of the Mm -hmm. fog. But I think what really changed it was like, well, Spock Prime chose this life. Like, he chose the crew of the Enterprise. and That's that's, what he chose to leave behind is the picture of them and his Vulcan robes. (laughs) Yeah, like, that's all that he cares about, you know. Oh, my Lily. (laughs) And off she goes. Bye. (laughs) Um, but that's what he has. Like that's, that means that's what he had on him or in the ship, you know? Yeah. Um, and so it's beautiful. So of course, like your choice is clear. It, it's what, like follow your heart, you know? Yeah. But do you think that he decided then because then he had that awkward moment in the turbo lift with Kirk where they're both just like, I was going to tell you something. And Kirk's like, I was going to tell you something. Wait, but I think he saw it's me. Sorry. I think he didn't, because, wait, did he see the picture right away? Yeah, he flipped it open, and it, like, was this picture. I don't think so. I think it was at the end. No, because I was sobbing. I, I literally <laughs> timed it. <laughs> I was I was sobbing um, 12 minutes into this movie because of that. But are you sure it wasn't just because it had the dates on it? Mm-mm. And then at the end, he was like, oh, I can slide it. No. <laughs> he, he knew he could slide it right no, away. What? Yeah. I don't know. I don't think that's true. I'm looking. It's, it because is true. Because otherwise, I don't have a case, you know? So I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's true. I understand. Let me just double check. Let me pause it. 
<laughs> okay, we are unpaused. Um, okay, I all. stand corrected. Okay, yeah. so we just oh, did we an investigation and I'm right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like this investigation. Okay, anyway. Um, yeah, so I think that Spock really, like, that's what made up his mind was I'm, I'm choosing this path because mm-hmm. that's what I would have done anyway. That's what I did last time. <laughs> and it w- turned out amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And Spock had told him that, too. He said, like, I will go do this. You stay in Starfleet. Get, go, go get making friends, buddy. Come on. <laughs> like, essentially. Yeah, so. exactly. So I think it's a, we didn't need a giant arc for Spock in this. Um, I think yeah. overall, everybody, everybody's arc is just like that they're working together and continuing yes. to become a closer part of, uh, and to be, continuing to become a closer crew and man nothing's yeah. more bonding than being kidnapped and then watching yeah. your crewmates murdered like oh that's, that's rough buddy that is rough i think we're on sulu get it most rough with that this crawl plot because like they have to watch the crewmen really suffer and like and ooh, it's just not fun okay and what did you think of kirk's hiding place of this artifact did you like it or was it weird so I thought the first, like, four times I watched it that it was great. And then now that I watch it, I really don't like it. <laughs> because I think that, like, she's easy, it's easy to exploit people, like Crawl very much showed. And it puts her in unnecessary danger when, like, I imagine that happening to, like, Tendi. And that, like, breaks my heart, you know? Because, like, you know, I'm just thinking that little blue shirt. And I'm just like, ah. You know, and so I think Kirk could have easily left it, like, buried it or like thrown it out an airlock or I don't know something where like I don't know if you know someone wants something so bad maybe don't hide it on like a person because they could get hurt if they if it's found out well I think he also wants to preserve it like he still wants to keep it safe because it is a historical Mm. artifact it belongs in a museum you see (laughs) he's just Indiana Jones (laughs) I guess but like bro your ship is getting torn apart throw it out an airlock yeah, I don't know. I, I agree with you every other time. I thought it was cool. And then this time I was like, oh, no. And I feel like it does put her in unnecessary danger. And it's got to be, like, against some kind of HR rules that you Literally, can't, like, Yeah, like, still shouldn't have put that. <laughs> it's not sanitary. Like, we don't know what that those little head things do. If it protects her head, I don't know. Oh, so. Yeah. And it ends up getting still killed, and that's also just, you know, the worst of it. And, but I think, too, yeah, like, I wish that she had said, like, oh, it's on the Enterprise somewhere. He hit it. You know, like. You're just, like, don't give it up. And I thought it was really savage because when Crawl has Sulu and he's about to take him to suck him away, Sulu's saying, like, don't do it. Like, don't give it to him. Yeah. And behind him, I just see Ahura and she's mouthing, don't do it. Like, don't give him the artifact. And so even though it's the right thing to do, I still thought it was kind of savage. Yeah. <laughs> Ahura was like, Sulu's right. Let him be killed. You know? Yeah. <laughs> she's like, that's her priorities. Yeah. Him not killing more people. Um, yeah. Oh, anyway, I did like the extras in this movie. All of the people who played the crew. Keenzer, too. Keenzer was back again with his cold. It really reminded me of Linus, actually. You know, when Linus gets his cold in Discovery. Um, they just, I don't know. It's sort of a cute little trope that they do. Yeah, and I actually noticed for the first time 
that they set up Keenzer's like acidic snot in the beginning mm-hmm. of the movie. Like when they're having Kirk's party, when it's just Kirk and McCoy, McCoy says Keenzer's got a cold and Scotty's terrified he's gonna sneeze on the warp core and kill us all. I yep. I kinda I never put that together. And then when I saw him sneezing on the thing, I was like, Oh okay. perfect. I just yeah. like every time I've watched this movie before he just sneezes and I'm like, he's got a sick snot, you know, like that's really useful. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. I think it's so genius. And I also, I think because I'm watching so much Lower Decks and everything, I'm thinking a lot about the other crew. And I'm thinking about like, if this, if this were a Lower Decks episode, we'd get their perspective of like getting caught and watching their friends get hurt or dying or whatever. And so, um, and also just have to be useful when you can. And also if, the only unrealistic part of that, though, is that if Mariner was with them, they would be freed immediately. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> She'd be like, come on, we're breaking out of here. Yeah, I wonder what uh, alternate Mariner's doing on the Cerritos. Oh, <laughs> Kelvin well, Mariner. she is not born. Oh, she's not born. <laughs> yeah, duh. <laughs> she's extremely unborn. I'm extremely yeah. not, not alive yet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'm really glad, back to McCoy and Spock, that they do get a movie together because we've seen yes. so many wonderful Spock and McCoy episodes um, that I'm just thinking about all the times where they got to bond and start to get closer and start to, like, recognize each other's banter more and have that sharp wit go back and forth is always something that I loved about the the pair of them. And so it's just really fun to see them back at it in this movie. Yeah. And I know that Carl Urban was so annoyed at how little time he got in Into Darkness. He was saying, I'm not going to come back if it's yeah. the same thing. My, McCoy was barely in it besides the missile Which is scene. crazy. Yeah. yeah. And he is an essential part of the trio. And so once again with Simon Pegg, he's writing a great part for McCoy. And I think he is an essential part of this movie. And also we do get a scene, you know, we're back to the cave. Um, yeah. Uh, luckily it's not the Catrick arc. Um, right. yeah, but um, <laughs> we're, yeah, we're there in the cave. McCoy is actually like genuinely himself, like mm-hmm. not snarky. He's being genuinely like sweet to Spock during all of this. And even while he was ripping out the metal out of his body, he yeah. was, you know, just like <laughs> messing with him and everything. But, you know, once he's genuinely concerned about him, he's like, okay, Spock, it's going to be okay. And then Literally. when Spock is, you know, sharing his feelings about um, old Spock's death, <laughs> old Spock. I just, I love it yeah. about good old Spock. Good old Spock. Um, but OG Spock. Yeah, McCoy is really sensitive towards him. And he's like, mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. I had no idea, you know? And so yeah. it's a great reminder that as, you know, sassy as he can be, he is such a good human, like, underneath it all. Mm-hmm. He just got a prickly outside. Oh, yeah. And oh, you said it off. That was so beautiful. I love his role in this movie and you can see his sort of therapist side coming out for Spock and and also while he's having to be a doctor he's really having to go double duty here like Colbert does <laughs> yes well and then at the end it's a so funny when Spock is like I will go and disrupt the frequency to like kill all the bees and Kirk's and and her are both like f no you're not like what yeah. the heck you just got back on your feet and Spock is like ding 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 like you need someone who's familiar with my medical condition and who can like have be really precise (laughs) and Kirk goes oh he's gonna love this (laughs) and then McCoy's freaking out he's like what you want me to do what (laughs) and this is the second time 
poor McCoy has had to transport in this movie. And oh boy, does he hate it. Well, and not even transport, but like the old Franklin transporters. Yeah, and even so that's even more sketchy because Scotty says they were only used for cargo. <laughs> Which reminds me of, of course, Enterprise, and this is what this ship is of, is talking about is the NX-class series, which is around the time of Enterprise, the TV show, and that ship and everything. Yes. And so I am thinking about, like, how scared the transporter everyone was, and they weren't using it. And um, thinking about the Franklin with its capabilities, it's really amazing that, like, it's held up and, I don't know, it's just so interesting. Oh, yeah. Well, Rihanna, I think let's dive a little more into the Enterprise stuff. Uh, and now we're going to start getting into more of Kroll. One of the reasons I don't have as much of a problem with this villain as a lot of other people do is the fact that they do a great job setting up the mystery as they go. And mm-hmm. um, the script is just dropping hints of the answer as we go along. And I'm really getting excited to figure out who is Kroll, what's going on with the Franklin. And even though the answers aren't like fascinate i mean actually i it's it's cool like i Mm -hmm. i don't know i mean it's it's an okay answer but i'm still just like so pulled into the mystery of everything and then again and then and then when they're actually watching um balthazar edison's like final captain's log yeah and then his like clip that ahura plays over and over again to Mm -hmm. figure out who kroll is and reading Push the frontier. All, yeah, exactly. Reading all about Mako and everything. I'm mm-hmm. I love this really deep answer in that's rooted in Star Trek history is such a cool answer for me. I just love it. Yes, and I my only complaint is that it's really hard to catch the first time. And so I wish yes. <laughs> they I really wish they would make it more clear because like you have to be first of all a pretty deep Star Trek fan to know what Mako is and then you which is of course not of course <laughs> I just said you have to be a deep fan but like it it's the military division before Starfleet or that worked a, a, as a part of Starfleet for a bit um, during the Zindi War in Enterprise and they said here are the Zindi and Romulan Wars so yeah whoa (laughs) yeah well there's so many episodes of enterprise that mako is there and there's a huge rivalry between them and archer yeah Um, and malcolm malcolm Malcolm, hates him yeah malcolm really hates them so it's it's fun like to have these memories come back and think about mako and also just to remember that they were extremely militaristic and like they were doing like military drills all the time and um yeah i i can actually see I don't really, I mean, I don't sympathize, of course, with Kroll at all, but mm-hmm. I can understand that Starfleet made a mistake in promoting this Mako captain who has, like, kind of wild views um, mm-hmm. to to run this ship. And then the fact that he yeah, was Yeah, an stranded, exploration ship. Yeah, yeah. And I think for a lot of people in Mako, it would be a reward to get your own, like, exploration ship, but yeah. it just didn't work with Edison um yeah yeah i mean i'm thinking about how much that one mako guy who's like all annoyed at reed is constantly complaining about starfleet you know Mm -hmm. now if he got a captaincy he would probably be pretty pissed off too and so and like you said with his dicey views i think that he's so trapped in a war like state of mind that he can't get out of it and like then apparently they got lost in a wormhole is what it says yeah which is crazy and i i don't know if this was like extended scenes or i just missed it on this watch but like the franklin has been a mystery for a long time yes um 
They said it that in the movie, right? Yeah, and it's like they have the case closed things at the end. Yeah, yeah. So I, and I'm also such a sucker for that kind of thing where it's like, oh, there's a mystery that's been going on for a long time. And then you find Mm -hmm. out where they actually are. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think it's ridiculous that Kroll feels like he's been abandoned by Starfleet because it's kind of like a Voyager situation where you don't yeah. expect to ever be rescued, you know? Exactly. And so that mm-hmm. just shows you how deluded he is. Um, yeah. Because that's just dumb. <laughs> well, totally. I think he's always had a bit of a um, chip on his shoulder about Starfleet. And so this just, of course, exacerba- exacerbated it. And he said, you know, they have technology to make me live forever. Cool. And I have a drone workforce? Well, no, he said extend life. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. But even so, like, Andy's got a drone workforce. He can live for a long time. And he does not seem to have any qualms about sucking the life out of people. No. And I'm, I am questioning, though, like, why does he want to go to Yorktown? Is it just to destroy, like, Starfleet? Oh, yeah. That's it's their just crime. to, like, that's their hit a critical jewel. blow. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I was surprised that he knew who Kirk was, but then later Sulu and Uhura figure out that he's hacked into the Starfleet database. Yeah. And so that makes him really dangerous because, oh my God, like he's been alive for like a hundred years, probably, yeah. or like, mm-hmm. a, like not a hundred. Oh my God. No, he's, he, he's been alive for like a thousand years or something, Crazy. you know? Yeah. That's so insane. he's super yeah. old. And I think this is why he's not, he doesn't look the same. Mm-hmm. My only problem with this, like, I think it's a really, it's a really interesting method of like doing your villain. And then the more mm-hmm. humans he's eating, the more he's like returning to his human state. But, the, yeah. but, um, I just am sad that Idris Elba doesn't get that. Did I say that right? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah. I'm sad that Idris Elba, uh, doesn't get a chance to, uh, like really, I mean, he, he acts, he gets some good scenes in here, but, I don't really feel drawn to him because he has so much makeup on and he's like an amazing, amazing actor. Oh my God. Yeah. Someone who I think is really underappreciated and uh, I'm sad that I don't get to see his face for a lot of this movie. This is my biggest complaint too, is that like they did not take advantage of everything that Idris Elba is as an actor. Yeah. So I, I think too, like some people are or sometimes it's just hard to act with that much makeup on anyway. You can't do facial expressions. And obviously none of us know. I guess it's to bury the lead, like, oh, he's a human. But I think they could have just had him, like, from the shadows, a kind of, like, Sela thing, where you're like, oh, it's some Romulan, but we don't know who. And then it's like, whoa, it's Sela. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, they could have buried a lead that way. Like, whoa, he's a human. Um, instead of, I don't know. It's just frustrating because it feels like too layered yeah i mean if he's in the shadows then again we still don't see his face true yeah i know what you mean i know what you mean Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it just seems like too many things kind of like with Khan. like just make him john harrison like just make him captain edison you know yes it's true um rian i'm glad you said earlier that it does take a lot to understand all of this on the first watching and i will Mm -hmm. say that Similar to Nemesis, I didn't really know what was going on until like some of my most recent watches. Yeah, um, I I think on the second or third watch you can start to grasp it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which get there know, eventually. Yeah, it does like lessen that for me with this movie. But again, I'm willing to overlook it in this case. <laughs> oh yeah, same because there's so many strong suits. Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, I I do want to talk a little bit about this rescue scene because it's so epic. I really like it. I mean, I know people are like, oh my God, it's Kirk on a motorcycle, but I love it. I think it's genius that they have 
um, the like goo that you get stuck in at, from JLo's invention used in the back of the bike. They really gave this bike an upgrade. <laughs> like it's got, then he can do like reflective images of himself. Like they're all doing the Picard maneuver all over this oh my place. God. Yes. It's amazing. Leanna, you're such a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> well, duh. I'm on a Star Trek podcast. <laughs> See, and I'm the one in the Lower Decks uniform. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But you have a, Rihanna is wearing a Batleth necklace right now. so Yeah, it's pretty anyway, sparkly. It's true. They are doing the Picard maneuver. I was actually mm-hmm. thinking about... Um, I was thinking about that's like a, a classic move in Dragon Ball and DBZ is they uh-huh. can like have mirror images because uh, like, they're <laughs> moving so fast it creates an after image. Anyway, I love that. so that's what I was thinking about. But <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. So anyway, um, I love the scene too. I think it's awesome, and I feel like I mean I I said it a little bit before, but the pacing in this movie is so good. Mm-hmm. That right, you know, right before this rescue scene, we had this like calm scene about everybody, mm-hmm. uh, about them trying to convince Jayla to help them and uh, trying to take down Crawl and rescue their crew. And she yeah. is really struggling with this decision because obviously she doesn't want to go back to where her parents were murdered and her family and yeah. everyone that she knows. Mm-hmm. And so at first I was feeling a little conflicted about this because I feel like it's a lot of Kirk to ask and yes. and not even Kirk like he makes Scotty talk to her because they have a closer yeah, connection. Um, I know, but it's a lot of them to ask to have her push through her trauma in order to do this. And it it reminds me that like I, so at first yeah I was just feeling kind of questionable about this, but then as Same. the scene goes on and Scotty does have an amazing speech with her, I felt like they had convinced me too. You know that. Um, yeah. this is a cause worth fighting for and if she can just be brave for a little bit it will accomplish so much and i know she it's also it's not starfleet yeah yeah it just be brave for a little bit you know and you can push through and you can get it done um mm-hmm. and so it's reminding me of that too and sometimes it is necessary to push through that trauma in order to achieve something great yeah i think I'm I yeah, I'm I'm mixed about this too because I first love when he goes, My wee granny said you cannot you cannot break uh sticks in a bundle. <laughs> you know, I love that he starts out a little granny anecdote. Yeah. Um but then I totally like I feel conflicted because I do agree that like that pr- pushing through with that bravery, like these are very much Starfleet values, but like she's not a part of Starfleet. And I think there is a certain kind of bravery in like accepting that you're not ready to push through that. You know, and so true. I think that like oftentimes that can be construed with like failure and it's just a different type of bravery to like recognize that in yourself. But also I think she recognized in herself that she was ready and like he did. I don't think they would force her, you know, I don't think this is the thing that helps me remember about Scotty and everyone on that bridge is that like they're here to obviously save their crew, but they'll figure out another way if she won't go. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and that's why, yeah, same. I f- end up feeling okay about the scene. And yeah. I did think Kirk was like pretty cold though. Like, yeah. cause she says, do you feel the same James T? And he's like, I know that we stand a better chance with you, you know? Yeah. Which and it's is, like, wow, thanks. But I guess really he's pretty stressed. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's my only excuse for him. But ugh, yeah, it's still like, but yeah. yeah, I just, I think that especially in this scene, Sophia Butella, who plays um, Jayla, is just fantastic. I think that her acting 
throughout this is amazing, but particularly the scene when she's talking about what happened to her parents and, like, escaping Crawl and the and Crawl's henchmen and everything is phenomenal. It's so good. I love her. And I remember that uh, her character, like, at the time this movie came out, everyone was cosplaying her. And yeah, I, I know, did for Halloween. Yeah, Rihanna did for Halloween. And then also our cousin, who is, like, the least nerdy person, like, she's, like she's cool like she's Mm -hmm. you know normally i would watch go watch star trek yeah no she's like not a sci-fi person but Mm -hmm. she did see this movie and she did an also like amazing cosplay of jayla that she did to a a comic con like yeah it's incredible so it was reminding me that star trek like touches people that aren't even necessarily like in the fandom and thanks to jayla like i think once again we have new fans because of these movies yeah, I mean, it's similar to, like, giving women a powerful piece or a powerful part on screen, then you're going to have people inspired. Yeah. Like, that's just how it goes, and they did it so well with Jayla. I think a lot of people can put themselves in Jayla's shoes, not necessarily, like, losing, uh, you know, their parents. Um, but maybe, yeah. But maybe, yeah. I, I mean, I even connect to her just because she's someone who's so badass and so awesome. Yeah. And I I want to be like her, you know? Yeah, same. Oh, my gosh. And just to see how brave she is to go back there and face her past is really cool. It's and so cool. And that, like, of course, the crew still comes through for her. And Kirk does the whole jumping with the transporter again. And he says, let's never do that again. And I'm thinking about 2009. Like, you're going to keep doing this, Kirk. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, we'll see it again in the next movie. Um, yeah, I love that. I, I think when I first saw this too, I, I was kind of on Jayla's side and, or I was kind of, I was really empathizing with Jayla during this fight scene because I was worried that they were going to forget her. I knew they would never intentionally forget her, but Mm -hmm. I wondered if maybe like they'd be like, Oh no, we have to go back for Jayla, you know, or something. And the fact that Kirk refuses to give up on her I think makes up for his kind of coldness from earlier because he's an action man. He's not a words guy. Yes. And And he's like, I have my crew back yeah, and I need my last member of my crew. Yeah. Someone who's really essential to the success of this mission. And I, yeah, I think it's so awesome when he jumps off his bike as he's transporting. (laughs) Epic. Epic. Yeah. I love the way that it's um, done too. Like I love that animation. It looks so cool. It's so cool. Um, So, you know, once they get back to Yorktown, oh, so I, I want to say that I, there's kind of an, to me, like, the more I watch this movie, it's kind of an obvious theme that's going on, but I think it's a really beautiful theme, and that is that it's easier to do things together than it is to do them alone, and yeah. this is exactly what Kirk is learning throughout this movie, and exactly what Scotty says to Jayla is you can't mm-hmm. break sticks in a bundle, um Mm -hmm. all of especially like all of the bees are more powerful when they're together rather than Mm -hmm. apart and they said worker drones i'm thinking about like one drone isn't very powerful but he has a whole force of them Mm -hmm. yeah exactly it's like a bunch of um just yeah things in general are more powerful together and i think Mm -hmm. also that's why yorktown is so cool because it is a symbol of something that starfleet came together to create and yes. um, just the power of working together is amazing and it's cheesy, but it's it's cool. And I think also this is why this movie is so comforting to me all the time is no matter what state of emotion I'm in, I always need that message that yes. it's better to not be alone. And I think in the heat of 
in the height of the third wave of this freaking pandemic yeah um it's you know where we're kind of back to normal but we're not and we're remembering all the way back to when it first started and just you know going through this terrible time Mm -hmm. um it's great to be reminded that you're not alone and that everyone is actually feeling the same way as you even if you don't realize it and that's what ends up happening when like kirk and spock are back in the turbo lift after that awkward scene earlier where they were being typical straight males not talking to each other then at the end they were like we were thinking the same thing all along but now we've resolved it so we're good (laughs) yeah literally like we were gonna tell you but now we figured it out like yeah i know i i they are still learning to communicate and i have to remind myself that it took uh nimoy and shatner spock or it took like you know prime kirk and spock a while to really get in that groove like we're seeing them in such a different place and i but i do really like that they do come together at the end of this film and like say what you want about the crawl fight i mean I think that, like, it's it's very typical, like, end of the movie. We've seen this with, with pulling the switch and the last switch won't work. Like, we've literally <laughs> talked about this in First Contact and um, oh, Voyage it, Home. Yeah. Uh, Con. All yeah. of them. Yeah. So, anyway, it's just hilarious. But that's very typical. Kirk is going up there alone again, like, even though you just learned this lesson, but again, people are there and they have his back and Kirk and Spock literally saves him. Spock and McCoy do. Save him right before he flies out the airlock. I love (laughs) that. I think that's amazing, especially because we haven't seen McCoy in really any action scenes. And so to see him on the ship and, I mean, besides him, like, disrupting it, you know, Uh he he did just, like, kill all the bees earlier, but he's Mm -hmm. actually doing something physical and I love it. same and spock like jumps out grabs him and pulls him in and kirk goes what would i do without you spock and like oh that's yeah. cute and, and it also makes spock you know of course mccoy's like oh that's uncomfortable <laughs> but i think it makes spock also be like oh man i can't leave like i feel like we help each other so much kirk says it a couple times mm-hmm. i think and even mccoy says it to spock like what would jim do without you and yeah. honestly like they're all right because i think back to what we were talking about in wrath of khan where literally Oof. spock is giving all of the ideas and kirk just like do that <laughs> yeah voyage home to like literally all the movies following i mean yeah. that's what spock is for is to be amazing mm-hmm. and to solve all the problems and to calculate time travel and like do yeah. any, anything that the plot needs Spock can well, do. Well, you it. know what happened without Spock is Kirk got stuck in the Nexus. Rihanna, Rihanna, you don't have to do me dirty no, like this. But like, if, you, you know, Spock would have realized that he wasn't dead. I feel like he would have noticed something and then he would have been like, oh, he's just in the Nexus, guys. I know. If only Nimoy had been like more willing to be in generations (laughs) maybe we would have got a better ending for them but but we get a beautiful reconnection with our alternate kirk and spock exactly yeah it's so true i i i love it i love it i feel like yeah um spock yeah maybe he might feel a little like manipulated by it but I think he knows it's true, and I think exactly. that, again, it contributes to his decision at the end, saying, I will stay, and I will choose not to be isolated from my friends. I'm going to choose to work with them. and I love that. Be a part of the crew. Yes! <laughs> oh, man. Well, I just love this movie. I think it's hilarious. It kind of looks like they're at a cast party at the end of the movie. That's it what Ashley would always say. It does. It's the cast party. <laughs> Oh, they all are just like wearing normal outfits. Um, it's really cute though, and they do the whole two absent friends, and like again, my heart is breaking because Aww. of 
the loss of our these two brilliant actors uh and so yeah it's just such a well done ending to this movie and a great movie in general and i'm just so glad that we get to end on this note yeah well and i also think that to absent friends it's still talking about pike and it's still mm-hmm. talking about kirk's dad like there's into vulcan into oh to man oh geez oh my god yeah. <laughs> yeah. has a list of the casualties literally um, um, <laughs> to cupcake oh probably well, we, yeah who knows um <laughs> It's true, and I feel like it's the first time in a long time that the crew gets to... Well, and the people who died from Kroll earlier? Oh, yeah. my God. Um, but yeah. You, yeah, it, this is the real R&R that they need, and I'm glad they all just get to let loose and party. <laughs> and go to Yorktown and just have a blast for a couple of months while Enterprise gets rebuilt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. One more thing, I do want to shout out Sulu for his epic flying in this. I think that Sulu gets overlooked in a lot of the, like, who's the best pilot in all of Star Trek because of, like, Tom Paris or Riker. You, you know, know, there's a lot of legends. legends. Yeah. You know? Um, but Sulu is phenomenal, and seeing him literally take an NX class and, like, to take off on the planet into space is just incredible to me yeah i love that so much that's one of my favorite scenes and mm-hmm. i also love when kirk says like sulu you call it because kirk is like yeah. i am not getting anywhere near this i'm gonna mess <laughs> it up like it just shows you how far like their relationship has come like kirk mm-hmm. doesn't have that need to be in control of this he's just like go for it buddy (laughs) go for it and like the look that sulu gives check off like i just love their dynamic there it's so cute you know the helmsmen are always looking at each other like that make it like okay here we go (laughs) (laughs) trying something wild i mean like detvers definitely made that face to oh whoa like we've seen it with um oh wesley and data and wesley and data some good looks side eye and yeah when uh... things are happening like picard's making a speech and (laughs) uh and shakespeare like what? <laughs> like what like what's happening yeah yeah well and i also love um sulu's that uh when he's like are you kidding me sir because kirk's like do you think you can fly this thing yes! and i mean obviously it's a callback to uh you know when he with the parking brake was on earlier but yeah. i feel like it's also a callback to search for spock when they're breaking mccoy out of the facility and he's like yeah. he has his don't call me tiny quip yeah I, it's the same kind of like energy you know absolutely and that he's oh, like Sulu don't energy. sass me sir because yeah. i can do everything i'll sass you right back <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i will kick your ass yeah yeah <laughs> thank you for oh shouting out sulu we always complain yes. about not making sure everyone gets their love and i almost forgot about sulu so thank you yeah i had to give sulu love and um also i have to give love to bringing back the beastie boys for sabotage (laughs) i know that everyone besides me probably thinks it's a mistake but like (laughs) i love that they brought this back and it's just hilarious to me that that's classical music i it's perfect you know because like i was actually listening to an episode of women at warp and a lot of people were saying that like oh why would that song still be there just because it's like a rap song and it's like do not gatekeep music like you know that there's gonna still be so much rap in the future like it's i hate that mentality yeah yeah so anyway i just want to shout them out and the fact that this is the thing that sabotaged the bees was perfect kirk was like i love this good choice (laughs) see yeah this is just another moment of Chris Pine being an amazing actor because you can 
read his face so well when he hears the Beastie Boys. You know inside he's doing a samba. Like, he is so <laughs> excited. He's like, oh my god, my favorite song. You know, he's fangirling. It's like, you know, yes. those rare moments where you're out and you hear your favorite song. Like, I wish Kirk could have been like, oh my jam. <laughs> <laughs> But, but he had to be professional, so. <laughs> he just, like, smiles, and he's like, good choice. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and I think it also shows how much he's changed, too, because past him probably would have done that and then, like, bitten an apple, you know, like in yeah. the Kobayashi Maru. But he was just like, all right, here we I'll go. I'll be subtle. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I love that, too, because when they're putting on the music, Scotty thinks he can, like, do it, and he's trying to, like, plug it in or whatever. And um, and Jayla kept being like, no, 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 like, talking to him, like, no, don't do it that way, don't do it that way. And then he's like, ah, Lassie, I got it. And then her is like, let her do it. And I'm saying the same thing. I'm like, let her do it. And then he gets shocked. And I'm like, nice. Because then he moves over and lets her do it. And I just, it's such a fantastic little nod to like, listen to women. Yeah. Because I mean, this is a struggle all the time. Yeah. Especially women in STEM, like fields, listen to them. Well, what drives me crazy too, when I was working at Express, like I'd be changing the mannequins and then a guy's like, let me help you. Cause I have to like climb on a ladder and get them down. Like literally all the time. If I was helping a couple, a man would always be like, oh, I can help you with that. And I'm like, oh my God, like this is my job. I, I don't need your help doing my job. Yeah. Anyway, little rant. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, Jayla uh, can do it, and so can Ahura. And just yeah, and Ahura will back her up. Like, yeah. I love that. Like, when you see someone not, like, or, like, when you see someone trying to, like, butt in when a woman's speaking or trying to do their job, you know, just come up and be like, let her do it. Yeah, exactly. Yes, thank you. Yeah. This is a great Let's message. all channel that Ahura energy <laughs> yeah. into our daily lives. Let her do it. Thank you, yeah. Brianna. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Right at the end of this movie, I they do the Captain's Creed. And I mm-hmm. love, again, that it's all of the voices. And so we get to hear yes. everybody say, like, space, the final frontier. And then a her at the end is like, where no one has gone before. Mother- yes! Yeah. <laughs> she's, yeah. she's like, we're woke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Literally, she's like. We're not doing any of that TOS no man BS. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, literally, exactly. It's perfect. Once again, the Ahura energy is powerful. Yes. We almost radiate Ahura energy. And then it's like, uh, I was also going to say, like, we get some great music in this. It's not quite, I think the score is not quite as good as some of the other movies. And the best parts are always when they're calling back to the other movies for me. There was a moment in the finale where Kirk is fighting Crawl in the, like, weird tiny tube thing. Where it's almost exactly the music from Amok Time, where it's like, da-da! like it's it's such an ode to it and i was getting down to it yes and did you hear when kirk and suit and Chekhov were stuck in the little goo it went dun 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 like the little like happy go lucky oh like what shenanigans are we up to today music in tos yeah that's in the end oh my god yeah well and i yeah so i love the tv music throughout this and i just i love this movie and yeah i'm i'm sad that this movie series is over now but i mean crazy oh, mostly over mostly um, yeah. but i feel like this is the best movie that we can go out on and i really 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 desperately hope we get another movie like during my lifetime can i i'm that's Gone. the bar just while i'm alive <laughs> i want to see uh, fucking i want to see a star trek movie again same oh please that's all we want yeah yeah, yeah. 
Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, luckily we are getting Star Trek shows. And like we said in the beginning, we will be here next week on the pod with our little sister, Gabriella in the studio talking about the pilot of Star Trek Prodigy, which is entitled Lost and Found. So we will be covering that one. Yay. Yeah. Well, Rihanna, I mean, what a joy. And I also, I feel like we've gained so many friends along the way during this movie series uh, because we've been doing it for so long and it's such a like commonly reviewed thing to do. I mean, a lot of people have done like reviews of the movies Mm-hmm. Um, I'm honored to join the ranks of other historic podcasts that have also reviewed the movies. And Same. I feel like we've drawn a lot of new fans too. So all of you who are listening uh, and have started listening during the movie series, thank you for sticking with us. And we hope that you will enjoy as we return to different types of series. We love doing this podcast and the variety of Star Trek that we get to talk about and the specificity and the like details that we get to go into. And as I always say, the nitty gritty is... Yeah, the niche. <laughs> yeah, the, exactly, the niche. Extremely niche. <laughs> That's what we're here for. And so yeah. thank you for sticking with us. And as always, it's Rihanna. It's a serious pleasure. And this is the best part of my day every day we do it. Oh my God, same. I'm so happy to be potting with you, Ashlyn. And so excited to do our next week journey into Galaxy Quest and Star Trek Prodigy. So I will see you then. Yeah, I will see you then. And we are actually like really doing well on the Patreon episodes, guys. So like for reviewing uh, the animated series episodes. (laughs) So definitely check that out. It's any amount per month. So uh, even a dollar, you could hear like seriously, like a couple hours of content. So yeah. Yeah. A lot of good stuff on there. All right, Rihanna. Well, I can't wait to talk to you next week with Gabby Girl. (laughs) Woo-woo! See you then. Thank you for listening to the Dura Sisters podcast. Please tune in next week for the ninth episode of of our pilot series, where Ashlyn, Rihanna, and Gabby will discuss the pilot of Star Trek Prodigy. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also take a moment to check out our content on Tumblr and TikTok. If you like what you've heard today, please leave us a review on whatever platform you listen. By donating any amount per month, you can become a monthly patron and unlock our exclusive reviews of Lower Decks, the animated series, and Star Trek trivia. You can find all of this and more at patreon.com slash the Dura Sisters podcast. If you would like to contact us for any reason, please do so at the Dura Sisters Podcast at gmail.com. So far, we have covered these podcast series, pilot episodes, family, love and affection, time travel, and villains. If you haven't heard a particular series, please go back and listen to any of these awesome episodes. Social media and marketing by me, Ashlyn Gelman, and Rihanna Hurd. Editing is done by Rihanna Hurd and Ashlyn Gelman. Our intro and outro were written by Jerry Goldsmith. I still hear it, do you? Yeah. It's a melody played in a penny arcade. It's a modern baby. Really well. I think that's him actually singing. I think so. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> I think you're good. Okay.